Man, thanks so much for standing. You may be seated. Welcome. So excited to have you here this morning. Take your Bible if you have a Bible. And if you would, would you turn it to 1 Kings chapter number 2. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's not a problem. We have it up on the screen. We have the big screen Bible for you. So we provided that. And Or you can use your smartphone. You can use your Android. Or if you are a Christian, your iPhone. If you're not a Christian, I guess anything else is acceptable. So... Uh, <laughs> Good to have you here. Dads, we want to let you know how much we appreciate you. You guys are awesome. But you know what they say? Behind every great man is a... You're supposed to say greater woman. Like, you know, add that. That was your moment there. And, and I'm, I'm so thankful for my wife. She's awesome. She is amazing. She is superwoman. She just can do it all. She's just great. And I wouldn't be half the man that I am without her. I'm just so thankful for her. And I know many of the men, we feel like that. Some of you are like, no, I feel like my wife is Wonder Woman. I wonder where she goes. I wonder what she does with my money. I wonder what this food is that she just made me. She's Wonder Woman, you know, and uh, that could go good or bad. So now the wives are like, that's why you call me Wonder Woman. I always thought it was a compliment. Now I know, and I just got a bunch of the guys in trouble. But welcome to Southridge. We're going to have fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We do enjoy church, and it's okay to enjoy church. It's okay to enjoy some good barbecue. There's a good car show, and we're just going to have a great time with Candle Kabul and and all. Well, this message is definitely geared towards the men. It really is. There, I'm, I make no qualms, no, uh, no hesitation towards that. It's definitely towards the guys. But here's what happens typically on a, on a day like this, where it is definitely a message more geared towards the men. What I typically see is I see elbow preaching. You say, what do you mean elbow preaching? What I typically see is like when there's a good point, it is kind of like directed towards the guys. I see the wives. It's like, it's like they are a center and they are trying to block KD. You know, they're just, the elbows are out and there's just, there's, it's not working. You're just like, did you get that? You you wrote that down, didn't you? That's not, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Or sometimes the wives on the way home, they, they, or the girlfriends and uh, anybody, they'll just kind of on the way home. They're like, "Uh, that was a, that was a really good message. I like like what he said to the men. And then you try to re-preach the, the message, but you add your spin, like you, you felt like he didn't quite cover something, you know, and, and, and I'm sure God has a verse in that says, put the toilet seat down. I'm sure it's in the Bible somewhere. And I'm sure there's a verse that says, pick up your laundry. And I'm sure there's a verse that says that you need to cook on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays. And I'm sure it's in there. He didn't get to it, but we're about to get to it in the 15 minutes. So we go to home, you know, there you can see, there we go. I knew it was coming. I knew it. It's Father's Day. All right. So since it's Father's Day, we're going to let dads off the hook. There's only one Holy Spirit and it's none of us. All right. So we're just going to sit back and let the Lord do the work during this message. All right. Well, your Bibles are open to 1 Kings chapter number two. Let's go into verse number one. The Bible, this is in context real quick. There was a king in the Old Testament. His name was David. He's a famous king. He's called the greatest king in Israel. If you were to go to Jerusalem, all over that city, you would find David's imprint. David's influence transcends time and space. And for every father in here, that alone should speak volumes. That our influence should transcend time and space. That, yes what, your children's children should know your name, 
Not because of something bad, but because of something good that you've handed to them. That you've handed a good heritage. That you've handed them something that's of greater value than a bank account. Something greater value than an heirloom vehicle. Something that will transcend all the things that they have on this earth. And so David is coming to his son Solomon. And he's coming to Solomon because Solomon in this time... When a king in that day and age was dying or getting weak, all of a sudden everybody saw it as a moment to jockey for position. All of a sudden, now you have a bunch of people that see that the king on the throne is weak. Now is our time to strike. Now is the time where we can possibly either A, take the kingdom... David has a son. His name is Adonijah. Adonijah is going to make a power play for the throne. There's also a priest who's going to try to make a religious power play. There's also David's generals who are going to try to take a military power play. All these people and all this unrest is happening at this moment where David, as a weak, feeble man, comes to his son Solomon and he's going to give his Solomon a charge. He's going to encourage his son Solomon and all the things that are going on, it's kind of, in that time, it's kind of like a Game of Thrones situation. Everybody's fighting over this thing. And so David comes to Solomon, and here's what David says. David draws, gets close to Solomon. Here's what the Bible says. It says, now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged, or he challenged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, you will not lack a man to sit on the throne. Once again, David in another book in the Old Testament repeats this challenge. But David goes a step further. David wanted to build something for God. Many of us know that what David wanted to build was David wanted to build the temple that the Holy Spirit, that God's power, God's, they call it the Shekinah glory, was going to come into and fill that place. David wanted to build it, but the Bible says that God wouldn't let David build it because David was a man of of bloody hands, that he was a man of violence. And so David couldn't build this, this temple for God that he wanted to build. So what David does is David says, okay, I'm going to prepare all the stuff for my son so that my son's going to have everything he needs to build this temple. And so in First Chronicles chapter 28, we see one verse that I just love this verse. I want to just kind of read it just for a second. We're going to dive into the message this morning. The Bible says, then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule. Powerful verse, isn't it? Life-changing verse. We can close up and go home, eat barbecue right now. That verse is so good. And many of you are like, what's a vestibule? <laughs> Back in the day, the entrance into a church or a sanctuary, they would call it the vestibule. Right now, you call it a foyer or a foyer or the entrance or the place where you get coffee. We just call it a tent. That's what we use. And, and, and here, David hands his son these plans. You can imagine Solomon's like, thank you, I guess, like, yeah, right, like, okay, very cool, you know, but here's what I love. Today, it seems like what we're handing off is all the things we wish we weren't. We're not intentional about what we hand down to our children. I think too often I think our children, I know my children, at least I look at them, especially my son Austin, and I could see traits of me in him, not just the physical traits, but I could see character traits, and they're not always very flattering, 
I can see things in him that I'm like, yeah, that didn't come from your Filipino side of the family. That came from the German side. That's all me. I've got to own that. That's yikes. Wow, that's scary. He's only five and already I see these issues cropping up. Already I'm thinking, wow, this is not a good situation. I have to pray over this kid. We got to do something here. Why? Because I'm passing something on to him. David passes a plan and here's what I realized. If you're not being intentional about what you're passing on, you're unintentionally passing something on. So let's be intentional about what we're passing on to the next generation. Because today we've got a generation that most guys, they know a formula for muscle, but they don't have a formula for manhood. They can tell you, here's how you go to the gym, here's how you get strong, here's what you need to take, or you could just shoot up with steroids, there's a quick way, there's an easy way, there's all these different ways that, that man, you can, you can be really strong, but guess what, that doesn't equal manhood, that's not the formula. So what is the mantra for manhood today? What is that thing that really separates a man? Because today, we've got a lot of, really, they're just kind of grown adults that want to kind of act like children. So David sees it in his son Solomon because Solomon, they say, was anywhere between the ages of 14 and 20. And with the kingdom in uh, disarray right now, David knows I've got to challenge Solomon. I've got to encourage Solomon. So David comes to Solomon and starts challenging him to be a man. That's the first thing David says. Hey, show yourself a man. Be a man. Here's what I want you to do. Touch your neighbor and say, you're the man. You are the man. And hopefully, hopefully that person is the man. That'd be awkward if they're not a man. But either way, it just kind of feels good when somebody says, you're the man. But here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Are we though? Are we the man? Are we the man that we ought to be? I know there's always areas we want to grow, we want to get better in. But what about the areas where it really matters? Are we that man that we want to be, that we know we should be, that we're growing closer? We say, this is where I want to grow. David handed his son a plan. He didn't just challenge him. He also handed him a plan of action. Hey, David, you've got something great going on that you're about to face. Here you go. But why did he have to charge Solomon? Here's the thing about Solomon. When Solomon came to the throne, Solomon didn't do anything. He almost lost the throne. You know how David or Solomon actually got the throne? His mom got it for him. You say, what do you mean? We don't have time, but it's a really crazy story. If you read 1 Kings chapter number 1, the Bible says that Adonijah had self-proclaimed himself king, had gathered some of David's sons, had gathered some generals, had gathered some priests, and they together had said, Adonijah is our king, Adonijah is our king, and they're going, they're parading, they're having a party for Adonijah. Bathsheba and Nathan the prophet, they hear about it, and they come to David, and Bathsheba's the one that's got to make sure that Solomon becomes king. Why? Solomon's timid. He's timid. There's a part that's reserved. And even in Solomon's prayer before God, he even calls himself. He says, I'm like a child. He says, I don't even know how to go out or come in. He says, I'm, I'm just young. And so here's a young man. So no matter what your stage is, you could be young in age or you could be somebody who says, I'm kind of young at heart. And maybe you lack the courage to do the right thing. Many times people will come to me and they'll ask advice of what to do. And I always tell two things that I pray for. I'm going to say, I'm going to ask God that he'll give you clarity so that you know what God's will is. And then I'm going to ask God to give you courage to do God's will. Because oftentimes in my life, I know what God wants me to do. I just don't want to do it. Like, you ever wanted to highlight a scripture with a black Sharpie? You're like, I wish that wasn't in there. I wish that one wasn't there. Uh-uh, no, black that out. Man, no, I don't want that one. Because why? We often lack the courage to do what's clear. 
So this morning, my prayer for all of us men is that we would be courageous. We would have the courage to do what's clearly in the Bible. We would have the courage to follow through. So I pray two things for people that say, hey, advice. I want to make sure, first of all, they are clear on that they're doing what God wants them to do. And secondly, they have the courage to do it. Because oftentimes, we rarely have both at the same time. And we're going to talk about both today. We're going to talk about it. You need both. You need the courage and you need the clarity. And so we're going to really dive into that. But first of all, I love the first challenge David gives his son. He says, I'm going to give you his challenge, and that's to rise up. That's the first challenge. He said, man, rise up and be that man. He's calling his son out to not be timid, but to rise up. Because he knows what's going on today, and it's kind of a continual problem. Today, we have people who desire the privileges of manhood and the responsibilities of childhood. Let me say it again. Today, we live in a generation like never before where people desire the, 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 the fun things of manhood. They desire the, the, the good, the privileges, but they want the responsibilities of childhood. This is why we see this epidemic today where so many people, instead of moving on and saying, hey, I want to accept responsibility, they're saying, no, I want, to, I want to cast off responsibility. Or we've got a big generation that wants to play the victim card. Here's the thing about victims. If you're going to play the victim card, understand this. People feel sorry for a victim. They will never follow a victim. So if you and, and all of us are going to get hurt at times. All of us are going to get treated unfairly. All of us are going to go things that never should have happened. Horrible things. Terrible things. Things that you think I'm scarred and I'm hurt by. That wound you deeply. But yet we have too many people that live in that. And they make that their excuse for their bad behavior. So David is telling his son Solomon. Guess what? There's going to be treachery. There's going to be danger. There's going to be things that are going to stop you. But I need you to rise up as a man. I need you to take responsibility. And there's two areas particularly that I I really see that men struggle, and it's the area of anger and lust. These are the two biggest areas. Anger simply says, pacify me. That's what anger wants. When you meet an angry person, they just want to be pacified. And we all know that person. Maybe you grew up in that home where you knew somebody, they were just always angry. And you just knew that as soon as you got home, just whatever it takes to make them happy, I just got to say whatever, I just got to do whatever, I'm just going to go hide because I just got to pacify that person. Or you have that person as a boss, you have that person as a coworker, you have that person as a neighbor, or maybe right now, Holy Spirit's convicting you that you might be that person, that you're an angry person. The other side is lust. You say, what do you mean? Uh, while, while anger says pacify me, lust says satisfy me. That's what lust says. You know, when you look at the life of Solomon, we don't have a lot of time, but let me fast forward to the end. Let me, let me give you a spoiler. And I know some of us hate spoilers. How many of you, you just hate spoilers? You just hate it when that person just ru- ruins it. All right, excellent. I'm going to do what you hate. There's a great movie. It's called Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And I know some of you are like, you know, and some of you are like, no, I didn't like it. It wasn't as good as the first. I get it. It was not as good as the first, but it was still good. The best line is at the end when Yondu dies. <gasps> Yondu dies. I just gave away the spoiler. I'm so sorry. Oh. Oh, man. So then Yandu passes away. But the last thing Yandu says is so good. This is so good. I almost tweeted it. Sometimes, man, movies will preach. I'll tell you what. He says this. He says to Peter Quill, he says, that man may have been your father, but he's not your daddy. Man, I got that out of whipped on my phone. My wife was like, please don't. 
She's like, nobody will respect you that you just quoted a fictional character from a movie that wasn't that good. She was like, just don't, just don't. I was like, okay, you're stopping me, you know? I told you, behind every great man is an even greater woman, all right? So you need to understand that, that, that here David is saying, hey, look, I'm not just your father. I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to invest into you. I'm going to be there for you, and I'm going to help you to navigate these trials, to navigate these difficulties. And so David is challenging Solomon because he knows that people desire the privileges of manhood, but the responsibilities of childhood. And he knows that anger, and he knows that lust can conquer his son. And what eventually does conquer Solomon? It is lust. The man had 700 wives and 300 concubines. This guy was, I mean, just, man, he just, he dated, he got around a lot. There's a, there's a term, it's called thirsty. Just a really thirsty guy. He's just kind of desperate, right? And so he's just trying to satisfy something, and this guy is constantly going after it, and that's what stole his heart away, the Bible tells us. The Bible says that why did Solomon stop following God? Because of all of his wives, okay? He was at the mall all the time, and he wasn't at church, and so that's what, that's what happened. So... Anyway, it's all right. We won't, we won't preach that. We're preaching at the guys, not the ladies. Some of the men are like, yeah, stay out of the mall. That's like devil's playground. So, But when it comes to following God, we want to follow the Lord. And so we've got to rise up. Here's the other thing. He keeps calling him out to seek God. He says, hey, I go the way of all the earth. And he said in verse 3, and keep the charge, Lord thy God, to walk in his ways. Why would David reemphasize that? Because here's the thing that David also knows is that David knows that we have a tendency to coast on our connection with God. You say, what do you mean coast? It means just do what it takes to just get by. I went to youth group. I went to church on Sunday. We do just enough to get by. Like, what's just enough to graduate, all right? The one person told me this this last year. C's get degrees. C's get degrees. And I was like, yeah, buddy, that was me. You know, some cre- people, they graduated, you know, magnum cum, luck, uh, magnum cum laude. I graduated magnum cum, thank the Lord. You know, that was me. And it was just one of those where whatever it took to get by, I get that. But in our Christian life, you can't coast on somebody else's connection. You can't say because my dad had a connection, I've got a connection. No, you don't. You can't say because my siblings have a connection, I've got a connection. No, you don't. You can't say because my mom has a connection, I have a connection. No. Do you have a connection? That's the challenge. And I know some of you, you may be the guest here. You may have never stepped into a church for the first time. And this may be the weirdest thing you've ever been to. And we're so glad that you're here. But here's what we want for you. We want you to know that there is a God in heaven that does exist. And this is the predisposition I have every time I get up to preach. I have a predisposition that people today are asking this question, is God real? Number one. And I always start with, yes, he's real. But then the second question that most people are asking, whether they're atheist, agnostic, they don't care, whatever, they're asking, first of all, is God real? And then secondly, okay, if he's real, is he relevant? Is he, is he relevant? Does he actually matter to my life? Because so far, it seems like I'm doing okay getting by without him. And that's why some of you here, you're like, I don't really need God. I got money in the bank account. I have all this stuff. But you're missing out on this key component that there's more that David is handing his son something, saying, I want to pass something down. I want to give you something that God is real and that God is relevant. And he's saying to his son, hey, don't just rise up. But then the next, he wants his son to actually wise up. He wants his son to be prepared for the future. What happens oftentimes is I find that many times when we're passing something down, we're passing something down that's outdated. We're preparing a generation for a generation that's already passed because we're teaching like we've been taught. Here's the thing. I'm amazed at what teenagers have to go through in high school these days. It, my heart breaks for them, honestly, what they go through. 
Because one thing, we have gone through what they've gone through, but we've never been their age in this stage. We've never been through it. You didn't have to worry about the peer pressure. You didn't have to worry about the cyberbullying. You didn't have to worry about the fact that now it wasn't just that you get beat up, stuffed in a locker, beat up, stuffed in the trash can, beat up, stuffed under the bleachers. Can you see that there's a trend with me? You know, it's, there's all these places. And uh, now it follows you home. Now anywhere you go, there's this, they, they, it keeps going. It's 2 a.m., you're getting a text. A text. It's, it, it's 3 a.m., all of a sudden they're bombarding you on Snapchat. Your children are going through things, and young people are going through things that we've never had to experience. And what happened was we had a generation that says, hey, this is what worked for me. But the fact is, we're not preparing them for a generation that we won't see. The Bible says that children are in the hands of a man. They're like arrows in the hands of a mighty man that we're sending off into the future. But many times we're sending children off in a future that they're not prepared for. David wants his son to be wise. He wants him to say, hey, here's what you're going to need to actually succeed. Here's the plan. Here's what I'm going to hand you. I'm going to hand you. And I like the way the, the old King James says, he says he didn't just hand him a plan, he handed him a pattern. Now, I'm going I'm to date myself for a little bit, man. Back in the day, what would happen if you wanted a dress, you didn't want to pay a lot of money for it, you could go down to the fabric store, or sometimes Walmart might carry it, and they had this section of these little envelopes. They'd be white, and you could grab these envelopes, and they were called the pattern. And if you wanted to dress, they had a pattern that you would follow. And you'd pull out the little pattern, and if you were really artsy and all that, you can potentially make the dress based on the pattern. Now, I never got into that. I didn't know anybody. I remember my mom trying a couple times, and I remember my poor sisters. I was like, wow, they had to wear that. Like, wow, you know, it just blows my mind, right? Where somebody tried to follow the pattern, you could pass on a pattern. Today, what's the pattern that we're passing on? I'm passing on a pattern for them to follow. Is it a good pattern? Is it an easy pattern? David wants his son to be wise. And Solomon goes on to write the book of Proverbs. What is the book of Proverbs? The book of how to be wise. Because he wanted his son not just to rise up, but to wise up. He wanted him to understand there are things that you need to know right here, right now, that are going to help you in this future. Because David, even in verses 5 through 9 of this chapter, he's warning him of all the enemies that he's going to face. You and I are going to face enemies. We're going to face difficulties. We're going to face struggles. We're going to face challenges. And guess what? We're going to think, am I prepared for this? And David is pouring into his son, pouring into his son to help him. Help me finish this sentence. Practice makes? Oh, some of you are good. Some of you got it. But I would say the majority still are missing it. If I keep swinging a golf club the wrong way, 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 should I be surprised that I'm a horrible golfer? No. Because practice makes permanent, not perfect. Practice that has been monitored makes perfect. Your children are practicing something. Men, we're practicing something. But is it being monitored? Is it something where that's actually beneficial? And so David wanted his son Solomon, and he wanted to encourage him. He wanted to challenge him to say, hey, guess what? What you're doing right now is going to make permanent in your life. Some of the decisions that you're going to make right now are going to set the trajectory of the rest of your life. You're still young, and so now you're setting the trajectory. There's the old song, Cats in the Cradle, I, I was listening to this week, getting ready for Father's Day, and I love the, 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 whole, the whole scene of that song, if you listen to it. I know I'm dating myself here just for a minute, but all of a sudden, here the singer, he's writing about how he didn't have time for his son, and then when he's older, and he wants to go and spend time with his son, his son no longer has time for him, and then he realizes that, wait a minute, he passed on a pattern. He passed on a pattern. 
How many of us are passing on a pattern that one day we're like, wait a minute, that's not, that's not the pattern that I wanted to receive. So David, he handed his son a plan. And so David wanted his son not only to rise up, to wise up, but then he wanted him to show up. He said, show yourself a man. Step forward. Take that step. Was David a perfect man? No. But it's not about our flaws, but about God's faithfulness. That's what it's about. No father here is going to be perfect. And I know what keeps a lot of us from having a relationship with God is because we look at our earthly fathers and we see that they're not perfect. So how can our earthly father uh, try to be an example like our heavenly father? But here's the thing. Fatherhood is the reflection of God, not the perfection of God. Fatherhood is supposed to be a reflection of God, not a perfection. So if you're looking for a perfect father here on earth, you're not going to find it. And for you to get upset at your father, and many people today have that father, they call it the father wound, where a lot of their issues, we call them daddy issues, and a lot of it is because we're upset because our father didn't do this or didn't do that, and all of a sudden we get real upset when we don't understand that, wait a minute, there's one perfect father and he's in heaven. He is perfect, and I can have a good relationship. He'll never fail me. He'll never leave me. But right here we have fathers that are broken, but yet we can still follow. And so here we see David, he's passing on a challenge to his son. And the challenge is to build up the temple. That's the pattern that he says. And I love the language that David used. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2, I got to read this verse for you. The Bible says, now I prepared with all my might for the house of my God. David is telling Solomon. He's saying, I prepared with all my might. And it's interesting, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, Solomon uses the same wording. But Solomon says, hey, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. David, Solomon takes it a step further. He's borrowing language from his dad. He's saying, hey, with all your might. Here's one thing I've known. Have you ever been around somebody that they had a great plan, but no passion? Ever been around that person? You're kind of like, that's a really good plan, but you're just so, wow, I'm not inspired to do it. I'm just, I don't want to do it. You're just, you know, I, I get it. Here's the thing we love about the Warriors. Coach Carr is just amazing. At just like the way he inspires them, the way he builds his team. And, and so we, we see that, man, there's that passion needs a plan. But I've also seen passion without a plan. Wow, that's messy. Ever been around that person? They're all passion, no plan. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're driving me nuts. I just can't. No, no, you're, you're all over the place. It takes both, doesn't it? Passion needs a plan. Takes both. Takes both. Can you touch a neighbor and say it takes both? Passion needs a plan. Passion needs a plan. Takes passion and a plan. Takes both. But what happens oftentimes is we don't have the passion to pursue a plan because here's what happens. When we get, we hit that wall, we're trying to lead, we're trying to be a good father, we're trying to be the example, we hit that wall, all of a sudden what happens to our passion? Passion fades, passion stops. And instead, what we need to understand is that, wait a minute, I've got a plan. My passion's not going to stop right here. I like to lift weights, and weights is something that I enjoy doing. But oftentimes, we're trying to find what's called our one rep max. Man, you're really passionate. You get to the gym, and you're drinking. Um, uh, it's all legal, the stuff I'm taking, all right? I didn't, this isn't like black market stuff, you know, some of the back of the Cadillac, you know, how much for this? No, it's all legal, the stuff I'm taking. But it gets you kind of amped up before and you're all pumped up. You're like, man, one rep max, you know, and you lift up. Your arms are still touching the weights. They've just <laughs> gone, you know, and you're like, what happened, you know? And so, so you just love that, man, that feeling. But here's the thing. Passion without a plan gets you hurt, I can have all the passion to go and lift 400 pounds, but guess what? doesn't mean it's going to get lifted because I need to have a plan to properly lift, to properly build up to that weight. Passion needs a plan. It takes both. You need both. David passed on a plan. David passed on a plan to his son. 
Solomon takes the plan. And I love the fact that what Solomon does with that plan is he puts the plan into into practice. Solomon's going to go build the temple. Solomon finishes this temple. Solomon does it. This is incredible. Builds this great temple. It's overlaid with gold. It's beautiful. The Bible says that the glory of the God filled the temple. And the priests had to leave the temple because the presence of the glory of God was so potent in the room. They literally couldn't be there. They couldn't be in the room. This is a beautiful temple that Solomon finishes. Because why? He put into practice the plan that he was given. But here's the thing about Solomon's life. Solomon's life is a tragic story. Solomon's life starts out great, but it doesn't end great. And I want us to get this last final point. Your progress needs protecting. Here's Solomon. He had it all. He was the king. He had wisdom. The Bible says he had wealth. But here's what Solomon missed. He didn't protect it. The Bible says that his 700 wives stole his heart away from following God. Why? Because he didn't protect his heart to pursue God. Here's what happens. We do this. Man, you go on a diet and you lose 10 pounds, you go celebrate at hometown buffet. (laughs) Yes! I lost weight. That's what we do. Man, I I got back from uh, Easter break. I was doing so good. This year, I went from January all the way till about Easter. I was getting up at about 5, sometimes 4.30 in the morning. I would get up. I would jog. I would get some cardio in. I was feeling good. I'd spend an extra couple hours before anybody else. I would just up, and it was great. I'd come back, feed the dog, make breakfast. Man, I was just like, it was humming. I loved my schedule. It was going great. And then we had Christmas break, and then I spent about a week in San Diego. And ever since that week in San Diego... Man, I fell off the bandwagon. I fell off the wagon hard. And my wife, she's like, hey, um, you know, San Diego was like four weeks ago. When are you going to start that cardio again? Hey, that was like six weeks ago. She keeps bringing it back up. She doesn't need to remind me all that much. You know, women don't need to do that. No, I'm just kidding. But what happens is, if we don't protect our progress, it's going to get attacked, isn't it? And what happens is you're getting close to God. You're drawn closer to God. And if you don't protect it, if you don't set up boundaries, the Bible says there is a character by the name of Joshua. He leads the children into the promised land. And Joshua tells to the 12 tribes, he says, I don't know what you all are going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to, this is what we're going to do. And then he puts up some boundaries, he puts some things to protect the progress. What are you doing to protect the progress? You said, I met the Lord and I'm, I'm growing. And are you reading your Bible? Are you in a loving community to help support that? Have you taken the next steps to follow God? What are you doing to protect your progress? Because I see a lot of people that make a lot of progress. They're all proud of themselves. We high five, we clap, we pray for them. And then a few weeks later, they're right back doing the same junk they were doing before. Because they didn't protect your progress. Are you trying to get away from some friends and encourage you to do wrong things and you need to find some new friends? Are you trying to stop some old habits and start some new habits? you got to protect your progress. And many times I see a lot of people, they don't protect it and you end up like Solomon. That he lost it. Here's the sad story about the end of Solomon's life. The kingdom divides after Solomon. And it's never the same. Why? Because he didn't protect his progress. The kingdom divides, split. The sad story is that could be us if we're not saying, God, I want to be vigilant. God, I want to be the man that you've called me to, do, to be. God, help me to steward the opportunity. Help me to steward, Lord, the children that you've given me. Help me to take and make the most of this moment. Help me not to neglect this opportunity. 
So you've got to protect that progress. Maybe this morning, you've been neglecting some things. You've been letting your guard down some areas. Because I know it's so challenging, isn't it? Man, I would come back and I'd say, all right, guys, we're doing family devotion. My kids look at me like, what a family devotion. You know, they got their finger up their nose, you know, and everything. And we sit down and man, I got a son who's five. I got a daughter who's six. And then I got a a four month old that's, you know, just there and just big, fat, happy kid, you know, and family devotion. My kids are like, what's family devotion? We're sitting there and all of a sudden Austin starts, you know, letting off some odiferous stuff and then Megan's doing, braiding her doll's hair and you're like, this is family devotions. We're supposed to love God. And all of a sudden I'm like, forget it. Family devotions is a waste of time. You know, my wife's like, oh, what's that, honey? Like she puts it on her phone. Like you too. Like she's like, no, no, no. I was on the Bible app. You know, I was like, oh man. And they can get really frustrated to try to pursue and follow God. But here's what we need. We need to continue. We need to protect that potential. Sometimes we feel like in our relationships, man, I feel like the relationship maybe between you and your spouse is drifting. What are you doing to protect that relationship? I just got another text message this week, yesterday from somebody who said, man, my spouse just left me and I hear these sad stories and it breaks my heart and I always go back my mind and I always think, did they protect the progress? Did they protect the ground that they gained? Did they put time for each other? And I see people that say, oh, there's a distance between my son. There's a distance between my job. There's a distance between me and God. There's a distance between my spouse. What are you doing to protect that potential? You've got all this potential. How are you protecting it? Because I know we all have potential. But here's the other thing about potential. And we've all heard potential. Man, I think potential was used in every graduation speech, in every junior high, high school, college campus. Everybody used the word potential. How many times, how many of you, you're just kind of sick of the word potential? Just let me see your hand. Thank you. Here's the thing about potential. Potential is not always positive, is it? What did David say in Romans? He said, hey, the things that I know I shouldn't do, those are the things I do. You have just as much potential for wrong things as you do for right things. So it's super important that you say, I got to protect my potential. I got to watch over this. Because guess what? All these mass shootings we're hearing about, I'm blown away by it. What happened? We didn't protect because we have this great potential for wrong things. You hear about a good, loving couple, you're like, what happened to their marriage? We have potential for wrong things. You can look at a person you thought, I never thought that person would do that to that person. They didn't protect the potential. So what are we doing to set up the safeguards? What are we doing to say, you know what? I'm going to protect these things that matter the most. David, some of his parting words to his son are words to say, hey, you know what, son? Here's what I want to pass on to you. I want to pass on things that will help you. I want to give you something more than just a kingdom. It wasn't just about the kingdom. It was something bigger than that. The temple was was this relationship with God that he wanted him to, to, to have and wanted him to protect. So in your life right now, I know this message is primarily towards the men, but what in your life you're like, yeah, this is what needs to change. This is what needs to stop. This is the thing in my life that I know right now is holding me back. The only thing holding you back is you. That's it. And so we want to see God do something great. We want to see him do something great in, in, in our, our lives and in the men of our church. And if you're a guest with us, we want to see him do something great in your life too. And I know this message. I know it seems kind of churchy and it kind of seems like, yeah, all that stuff that you thought about. But I, I, I hope there was something you could get, gather from it. Because we want to see a generation of men stand up to lead. And right now it seems like men, it's just kind of like, a joke at times. 
I'm tired of watching every sitcom just make fun of dads. Like, dads are idiots that just drink beer and chase skirts. Like, I'm really tired of that. It's time to change it. And where is it going to change? Where are, you, where are our sons? Where is your family going to get something different? By us. The example that we pass on. What are we passing on to that next generation? What's that thing that you're saying, hey, this is what's going to be different? Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Let's all stand.